0: invite your attention to Jeremiah chapter 1 tonight. Jeremiah chapter 1. Jeremiah chapter 1. Then the word of the Lord came to me saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. Then said I, Ah, Lord God, Behold, I cannot speak, for I am a youth. But the Lord said to me, Do not say, I am a youth, for you shall go to all to whom I send you. And whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of their faces, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth, and the Lord said to me, Behold, I put my words in your mouth. See, I have this day set you over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out and to pull down, to destroy and to throw down, to build and to plant. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me saying, Jeremiah, what do you see? And I said, I see a branch of an almond tree. Then the Lord said to me, you have seen well, for I am ready to perform my word. And may God bless the reading of His Word tonight Is my prayer. Uh, This is a passage very simply that records the calling of Jeremiah. Uh, In the uh, uh, breakout session that I did yesterday afternoon uh, on preaching and doctrine, I mentioned to them that... Uh, Over all the course of our generations as God's people, there's one thing that's been constant. A lot has changed. There's been the Old Testament to the New Testament. Many things have moved. Many changes have taken place, but there's always been one constant, and that is that God has been calling men uh, to preach His Word to His people and uh, for all these many generations then, God's people have gathered together to hear uh, the Word of God preached and the power of the Spirit of God. God was calling Jeremiah uh, in this passage, and He's still calling men, and I rejoice in that uh, every time I hear uh, that someone has surrendered to preach. Uh, You say, uh, I've actually had people uh, kind of express to folks, you know, well, I I feel sorry for you for what's ahead. Man, I don't feel sorry for them at all. (laughs) Not a bit. Uh, God's called them. They've been called to preach His Word. What an awesome privilege that is. What an awesome uh, opportunity it is to be involved in ministry. Yeah, there's going to be tough times, a lot of heart-rending times. That goes with the territory, yes. Um, But my, there's going to be a lot of glorious times as well. Now, in Scripture, this concept of calling carries different connotations. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and verse 26, Paul said, for example, For you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble, are called. Now, in that passage, the call, uh, refers to our call for salvation, something that the Bible does often, as we'll see in a few moments. Job referred to another calling. Job 14 and 14, if a man die, shall he live again? All the days of my appointed time will I wait till my change come. Thou shalt call, and I will answer thee. Thou wilt have a desire to the work of my hands. Uh, You ever get a call that you don't answer? I tell you what, we get so many telemarketing calls anymore that we look, we don't recognize a number most of the time. If, if you call me and I don't answer, it's because I'm going to leave me a voicemail so I can tell who you are, and uh, then I can call you back. Because, man, we get so many crank calls, so many telemarketers, we get calls that we don't answer. Well, let me tell you something. One of these days, God from heaven is going to call us, and on this call, we are going to answer. You can't hit the snooze button on this one. Can't hit the call button. No. God, Job said, you'll call and I'll answer. And he was talking about that time just like uh, we just sang about. Uh, when I die, hallelujah, by and by, uh, I'll fly away. Uh, even today we still talk about how that God has called somebody home. I mean, we use that very very commonly. And that goes all the way back to the book of Job. Uh, God's, uh, you will call and uh, I will answer uh, Absolutely. Uh, but under all these other ways that the Bible uses it, and it does use it, Romans 8, 28, uh, all things work together for good to them, that uh, love God to those who are the called, according to His purposes. So many times the Bible speaks about us being called uh, to salvation that uh, we're even called the, the call. Uh, we ought, to those who are the called, that's us, uh, those who are believers in Jesus Christ. But for all the ways that the Bible uses it, this one way that the Bible uses it is primarily under the call into the ministry. And uh, this passage is going to highlight all the things that God was doing in calling Jeremiah. Uh, Now, don't, don't worry. As we go along, we'll see a lot of things in this that apply to all of us. And as we get to the end, I think we're going to be able to see some great applications that apply to us Uh, But uh, in order to do that, we just kind of have to see all the things that God says He is doing in this passage. And as He calls Jeremiah, you see these things begin to play out. Uh, The first thing we see in verse 5, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. And so right up front, God says, I formed you in the womb. This is a strong passage for us tonight, considering a lot of the things and a lot of the discussions uh, that are going on in our country, and what, once again, uh, we've seen the Supreme Court do again, 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 uh, just this last week. If we had high hopes for our conservative majority, I'm sure those hopes have been dimmed just a little bit, if you had those hopes. I didn't have much, to be honest with you, but... uh, It's a sad thing when a nation loses its concept of the sanctity of life and has no compassion for an unborn baby. If I didn't have anything else in Jeremiah 1 and 5 to tell me that abortion was wrong, abortion on demand, I should say perhaps is wrong, it would be Jeremiah 1 and 5. I formed you in the womb. It's not the only passage, though, that says such a thing. Job 31, 15, did not he that made me in the womb make him? Isaiah 44, 2, thus saith the Lord that made thee and formed thee from the womb. Isaiah forty-four twenty-four: 24, thus saith the Lord thy Redeemer, and he that formed thee from the womb. Obviously, God wants us to understand that He formed us in the womb. We might think, well, that's just natural biological process. But God didn't want us to think that way. He formed us in the womb. And then God says, I knew you. Interestingly, we would understand this maybe a tad better if God would have said, I, I knew you uh, in the womb. But what he actually says is, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And that is that God knew Jeremiah even before He was in the womb. He said, would you explain that to me? My goodness, folks, I can't understand all the things of God. God's knowledge is way, way, way above us. And we can't explain all the things that God knows. It is high for us. I I love what the psalmist said in Psalm 139 in verse 1. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thought afar off. You comprehend my path path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. There is not a word on my tongue, but behold, O Lord, you know it all together. You have hedged me behind and before and laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I can't reach it. I can't attain unto it. Just look at all the things that the psalmist said God knows. You have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down. You know when I get up. You understand my thoughts. You ever wondered? Wonder no more right here. It says in the Bible, God understands my thoughts. We don't have to speak out loud for God to hear us. He understands our thoughts. You comprehend my path. That is, you know, God, what I'm trying to do and what I'm trying to accomplish. You also comprehend my rest. You know, when I've got so tired that I can't keep going and I have to rest for a while. God, do you know what? When I've reached my limit, when I've hit the wall, God, you know it. You know it. You know all of my habits. You're acquainted with all my ways. Speaks of our habits, our habitual behavior. Anybody here like me as an early riser? Nod your head. You like to get up early? (laughs) Uh, When you get up, when your eyes first wake up, you know what you can say? Good morning, Lord. He's sitting there waiting on you. (laughs) He knows what time you wake up you go to bed early he knows it you stay up late he knows it what's your habit whatever they are he knows them all he knows them all he knows the things that we habitually do good or bad he knows he's acquainted with all of our ways he knows us that well (laughs) he knows our vocabulary (laughs) I can't help but laugh every time I read that uh, I've known a lot of people who had very interesting vocabularies. Well, listen, uh, they're not ever going to say anything that surprises God. God knows them. God even speaks Cajun. Amen? I, <laughs> thats uh, He knows it. I love this one. The says, you've hedged me in behind and before and have laid your hand on me. You know what that means? Uh, that means that God has put a hedge out there so we can't run ahead of him and he has hedged us in behind so that we can't lag behind and the psalmist says you keep me right at hand isn't that precious Uh, that's that old shepherd talking you've hedged me behind and before so that you can lay your hand on me isn't it great to live our life with the hand of Almighty God on us. I want God's hand of protection and God's hand of provision and God's hand of blessing on my life. And if I need it, yeah, I'll even want His hand of chastening on me. He can do that too. God had fixed it so He couldn't run ahead. Such knowledge, He said, is beyond our comprehension. The fact that the almighty, omnipotent God of the universe cares that much about you and me. Well, God says, I knew you before you were even in the womb, before you were born. God knew Jeremiah. It doesn't diminish one iota from the fact that God had formed him in the womb. Of course he did. He said both. It only emphasizes the plans and purposes that God had in Jeremiah's life. Then God said, I sanctified you. Now the word sanctified means that he was set apart uh, as uh, being uh, God's own possession or being dedicated or consecrated, sanctified unto the Lord. That was not something that was language that was used in the Old Testament exclusively of people. All of the instruments in the temple were sanctified unto God. Animals were sanctified unto God. God in fact said that all that openeth the womb in the children of Israel, He said, will be sanctified to me whether man or beast. What God meant by that was that the firstborn child of everything The firstborn offspring of everything, cattle, sheep, donkeys, everything that they had, every domesticated animal, all of it was sanctified unto the Lord. Interesting passage I looked up this week when I was studying about that and reading it. He said, if you have a donkey that's born and it's the firstborn and you don't want to sanctify to me, kill it. It was interesting. Don't you steal it from me and keep it to yourself. If you're not going to give it to me, kill it. That was in the passage. What did that commemorate? It commemorated what happened in the land of Egypt when God delivered His children by killing the firstborn out of all the land of Egypt. And so to commemorate that throughout all of their generations, God said that everything, everything that openeth the womb in all of Israel will be sanctified unto me. Uh, now, that didn't mean that all those animals were saved, and it didn't mean that Jeremiah was saved. A lot of Reformed theologians, Calvinist theologians, love this passage, and they love to say, See, Jeremiah was saved before he was ever even born. Well, that's not what the passage said at all. It said, God knew him before he was born. <laughs> And I don't think that was true even of Jeremiah. I don't think any baby will ever be conceived that God's going to say, wow, what a surprise. Now it will be a surprise to mama and daddy a time or two. But it's never going to be a surprise to God. Don't let ever, anybody anytime ever tell you that you were an accident. You were not. God knew you before you were in the womb. And in Jeremiah's case, he could say, I sanctified you. That means he was set apart under God's purpose. God said, then I ordained you a prophet. Now this is a different word than what we find in the New Testament when we find the word ordained there. Uh, this is a word that means in Hebrew simply a gift. And it had a wide, wide range of, of applications. Uh, uh, Hebrew had a very small vocabulary, so this word had to do a lot of Duty, but the fact is it means gift. And we could actually read this as I gifted you as a prophet. Now, the word, uh, in a sense, then, God had prepared Jeremiah even as he was forming him in the womb. He said, I was preparing you, gifting you to be a prophet. Now, the gifts that God call, gives people who are called into the ministry are designed and intended by God. To be used in that service Uh, some uh, ministers some people that God calls are given great administrative skills Uh, some are given great personal skills man they just mix with people and interact with people Uh, some have incredible memories for names oh I wish God had given me that gift I mean they meet you one time and they never forget your face and they never forget your name some people get that gift I didn't I wish I would have But it didn't. Some people get great organizational skills. Some have great preaching skills. Some have great teaching skills. Some are very compassionate so that they can minister to people when they're hurting and when they're sick. Some are great leaders. It's rare for a God-called man to have more than one area of giftedness. It's rare. It does happen. He may have one area that he's very strong in, and other areas that uh, he might uh, not be quite as strong. If he were to apply for employment and took one of those personality or proficiency tests that uh, the corporate world is so fond of today, they might find several uh, dominant areas uh, where he can go, and others that might be somewhat regressive. Uh, But it's very rare for a person to have a large combination of these skills. I once heard a man described by one of his members of one of the largest churches in the United States at the time. He said that that his pastor's leadership and organizational skills were on par with anyone in the corporate world. And he was a person who was in a place to know. On anyone in the corporate world and some that were the head of large corporations. He said his organizational administrative skills would enable him Uh, to be the CEO of some of the largest corporations in the country, and he was a pastor. Uh, But his preaching skills were not nearly that strong. I'd heard him preach. The church had compensated for that. Of course, a very large church, and they had actually hired another man with great preaching skills who came in and did most of the preaching, and they considered themselves to be uh, co-pastors, And they built what was at that time the largest Baptist church in the United States. When they introduced one another, they said, This is my pastor. Another one said, This is my pastor. You said, Which one of them was pastor? Well, they were both pastors, but they had very differing roles based on their gifts. God says to Jeremiah, Jeremiah, I knew you before you were born, I formed you in the womb. And I have called you, I've sanctified you, I've set you apart as belonging unto me, and I, when I was forming you, I gifted you for the work, that prophetic ministry, that God was going to use him to do. Interestingly, Jeremiah responded, "God, I'm too young. I'm too young to speak for you." And uh, then what did God say? Verse six? "Well, but don't say, don't say I'm a youth. Don't say that. Why not? Because he said, for you shall go to all to whom I send you, and whatever I command you, you shall speak. God said, I know what I'm doing. If I've called you, then I'm going to use you. And don't say to me that you're too young to do this. If you were too young, that's the implication God's given him. I wouldn't have called you yet. Just think about all the things that God said. I knew you. I have formed you, I have sanctified you, I have gifted you for the work that I'm going to use you to do. Don't say you're too young. And after he got that out of his system, then he went back to a couple of other things that God said I'm going to do. I will send you. Don't say you're too young to go. I will send you, and you're old enough to do what I'm sending you to do. And there, if God was sending him, then there were people out there that God intended to use Jeremiah, though he was young, to speak to. And that's something that can reach out to uh, those of you in our service tonight, maybe who are young still. And you may think you're too young to speak for God. Uh, back when I was going to school, we had assigned seating in almost every class, and that is the teachers assigned us alphabetically to start out the class. And uh, if we had a problem where we were, then they might move us around. You could go from A to Z and somewhere in between real quick because uh, they'd finally move you around to somebody that you wouldn't talk to and disrupt the class all the time. That's what happened to me. Uh, and I don't know if they still do that or not. Uh, I mean, so much has changed in the educational system when I, since I went to school. But uh, I don't know what it is these days. It might be completely random seating, first come, first serve. I don't know how. It goes on in classrooms today. But you may think, you know, I just got assigned this seat. My teacher, get me, I'm, I'm in the A's, so I'm in the A section. Uh, maybe I'm here, uh, uh, I just picked this one. I've, I sat down here because there's a pretty girl or, or, or a good-looking guy, and I, I want to sit by them, or one of my friends was here. Maybe completely random. Students, I want you to think of something else. Uh, that might not have been a random selection at all. God may have sent you to somebody that He's wanting to get His Word to. Don't think you're too young to be used of God to speak His Word to somebody. He may have you sitting in that desk, that office that you're in at work, right across the desk from somebody else. He may have you there for a reason. never know. That person you sit by on an airplane... Your seating was assigned by uh, whoever it is that you're flying with, the Friendly Skies or whoever. But let me tell you tonight, that person you're sitting by might not be a random selection at all. God might have you there uh, to be able to talk to them. And you'll have to be better off at it than I am because I can tell you when I sit down in an airplane and they start and we take off, I am completely deaf until we land again. (laughs) I can't hear nothing. I feel terrible. I'd love to be able to carry on a conversation in flight. I can't do it. I, I mean, my ears stop up and I cannot hear. They'd have to shout at me and, in order for me to hear them. It's kind of uncomfortable for me. But maybe you're not one of those persons. Maybe your ears clear out real quickly and you can carry on a conversation. Who knows whether God has you in just that place to speak His Word to somebody who needs it. needs it. You never know. No matter how old you are, how young, God can use you to speak his word to other people if you're saved. Then uh, there's more good news. God said, I'll tell you what to say. You say, well, I don't know what to say. Good, good. You've been studying the Bible all your life. You've hidden God's word in your heart that you might not sin against God. And there are times when the Holy Spirit is going to take what you've got hidden in your heart and bring it to your mind at just the right time to say it to somebody. You don't go away thinking then, man, I'm so smart. No, you go away thinking, Holy Spirit, you're so good. Because I would have never thought of that passage unless you brought it to me. God says, I'll tell you what to say. He does. He said, I'll be with you to deliver you. Don't be afraid of their faces. Um, God told Ezekiel almost exactly the same thing when he called him. I'll be with you. You're not on your own. I'll be with you. I'll put my words in your mouth. He goes on to say that I'm going to use you to pull down and destroy kingdoms. TO BUILD THEM UP. AND GOD IS DESCRIBING THE INCREDIBLE POWER OF HIS WORD. Let's understand tonight that ultimately it is not the political process that determines whether a nation rises or falls. It is not their economic vitality or prosperity. It's not the GNP that is going to define and determine whether a nation rises or falls. Ultimately, if God says a nation rises, it rises. If God says a nation falls, it falls. That situation was going to play out in the days of Jeremiah. Because the kingdom of Babylon was going to rise, and God says it. In fact, He struck down Nebuchadnezzar when he tried to take all the credit for what God had done. When Nebuchadnezzar said, Is not this mighty Babylon that I have built? God put him out in the field grazing like a cow for a few years. Because He took credit for what God had done. Babylon didn't rise on its own, Nebuchadnezzar didn't build it, God did. He rose up, mighty Babylon. To use as an instrument of judgment against his people. He said to Babylon, rise, and it rose. He said to Jerusalem, to fall, and it fell. Think about that. Babylon was a godless heathen nation, Jerusalem was his own people. Think about it. Ultimately, it is the Word of God that determines then whether a nation rises or falls. Then God asked Jeremiah a question, verse 11. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Jeremiah, what do you see? And he said, I see a branch of an almond tree. Then the Lord said to me, you have seen well, for I am ready to perform my word. You know the word for almond in Hebrew, did I say almond, 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 almon, almon? however it's really supposed to be pronounced. In Hebrew, the word means awake, to wake up or awaken or to be ready. The reason for that, uh, most uh, uh, scholars uh, reckon, is because the almond tree is one of the first ones to bud out in spring around here we're seeing that play out because around here it's the wild plum trees that are first on the scene when you see those white uh, uh, wild plum trees uh, blooming out there beautiful blooms uh, beautiful trees um, it's telling us something uh, that the world is about to wake up the plant kingdom is coming alive it's about to awaken spring is here so the almond tree was that way. It meant ready. It, mean, it meant to awaken. And God uses the exact same uh, expression then when he says, I am ready. I am awake. <laughs> I've been awakened. I am awake to perform my word. I will perform my word. Um, He would go on then in verse 13, The word of the Lord came to me the second time, saying, What do you see? And he said, I see a boiling pot. And it is facing away from the north. Uh, Then the Lord, that is, it's tilting from the north to the south. It's facing away. the Lord said to me, Out of the north calamity shall break forth on all the inhabitants of the land. So he saw a boiling pot that was boiling over, and it was tilted from the north to the south. And God was using that to show him how that His judgment was coming from the north, primarily from Babylon, uh, that He was bringing His judgment down, and it was about to happen. This pot was boiling; it was boiling over from the north—a pot and a blooming branch. Think about uh, when God called Ezekiel, and that was uh, Jeremiah's uh, compatriot; uh, they were close and in age time when God called Ezekiel remember chapter 1 uh, showed all of those visions of the glory of God the faces the wings and all that thing coming down as God's throne came down from heaven to the river Shavar, uh, there in Babylon and there was a cherubim that he saw and all that terrifying thing chapter 1 oh man Ezekiel got a great vision of the glory of God Think about Isaiah, another, uh, one of the great prophets many years earlier. God had called him. Remember how he was in the temple and he saw the glory of God that filled the temple and, and the post of the, the door shook because of the glory of God. And he cried out as he saw that demonstration of the glory of God in the temple. And he said, Woe is me, for I am undone. I'm a man of unclean lips and I dwell among a people of unclean lips. What a, what a calling, Isaiah God. What a calling, Ezekiel God. Jeremiah. <laughs> Jeremiah saw an almond branch and a pot. Is this all I get? You know, Jeremiah didn't say that, of course. I mean, he was hearing from the Lord. But others got these great visions of the glory of God, great vision of the throne room of heaven, and he saw an almond tree and a a pot. But God told him, You have seen well. Why? Because you saw what I showed you. You saw what I showed you. There are multitudes of people in this world who cannot say that. They don't see what God shows them. Sometimes it's because we're waiting for Him to show us something spectacular, something amazing, something incredible. We have a hard time thinking that God can really work in just the mundane, average, ordinary things like a branch of an almond tree or a boiling pot. God does show people His glory from time to time, and He does show glorious things. We get to see the things that God is doing sometimes, but sometimes we don't. What is important is that we see what God shows us. And when he saw what God showed him, you've, said, you've seen, well, that's a good thing. Now let's draw out of this some applications for us. First of all, I think we can look in this passage and we can say that God does indeed have a purpose for every one of us. God uses us. God works in us. He knew us. Our our birth, our conception was uh, was not a surprise to Him. He has gifted us. He has worked in our life to prepare us, and He uses us in places Uh, Where he sends us. God may send you some places, brothers and sisters in Christ, that I could never go. God can use you to speak his word to people that would never listen to somebody like me. But they'll listen to you. You think about that. You may say, well, I don't know what to say. It's okay. God says, I'll put my words in your mouth then we can learn from this hopefully tonight and maybe help ourselves all to remember that God may show us something spectacular, but He may show us something mundane. We may see something incredible, or we may see something everyday, everyday kind of thing. But listen, let's learn to see the work of God even in the everyday things of life. Say, what did you do this week? Well, I just got up and went to work every day, and I got up, I prayed, I did my Bible study, and I went through my prayer list, and... I went to work. I tried to do a good job. I, 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 I didn't see anything. I, I don't know that anybody got saved. I, I, I don't know that I, I I just don't know that I accomplished anything. I beg to differ. You see, Jesus said, my father has been working right up until now and I work. You see, what he was saying was that the father is always at work. And this passage, God said, I have awakened. And what am I awake to? He said, I am awaking to accomplish my word, to see that my word does what I intend for it to do. The God of Israel neither slumbers nor sleeps. He doesn't doze off. He doesn't take a nap. He is awake. He is alert. He is on task to use his word and to see to it that it accomplishes his task in your life and in mine. Don't say that God's not working. God is always working. We may not see it. We may not know it. We don't have to see it. We don't have to know it. I preached that this morning. I'm not going to preach it again. When God shows us something, and He does, you come to church, you sit there and listen to a message, maybe God uses something, shows something, you write it down. It may have some similarity to something that I said, and it may not. You can't imagine how many times over the course of the last 40 years of pastoral ministry that people have come up to me and said, Brother Hamilton, I remember when you preached this and I will tell you right now, I never preached what they said I preached. Those words did not come from my mouth. You say, how do you handle that? Well, for the most part, unless it's something ungodly or unscriptural, for the most part, I just let it go. Because I know the Holy Spirit can take what I say and even more importantly take His Word and apply it apply it how He intends it to be applied. And what you get then, you get that message from God. You get that blessing from God. Something that touches your heart. Something that blesses you. And it's big enough to you that you write it down. But I want you to know tonight that God might not have given that to you just to bless your heart. He may have given you that so you could share it with somebody else. And in the coming week, he may very well have somebody in your path that needs to hear what you wrote down on Sunday. It happens. Don't be afraid to do it. If God has shown you something, then don't be afraid to speak it when you get that opportunity. Sometimes we might be inclined to think, maybe look at our church even and say, well, you know, the Lord just don't seem to be working right now. No, no. We may not be seeing it, but God is always at work. I have to tell you, I want heaven to come down like, the river, like it, it did for Ezekiel uh, by the River Shebar. I want heaven to come down every time we meet together. Uh, I'm afraid those cherubims would scare us all and we'd be out in the parking lot just about like that if we could move, but uh, uh, it'd still be great. We want heaven to come down every time we meet together. But sometimes what we see is a blooming almond tree and a boiling pot. So we summarize this by saying we need to see what God shows us. We need to go where he sends us and say what he gives us. And that's what we can learn from the call of Jeremiah. We need to see what God shows us. Go where he sends us and say what he gives us to say. And if we'll do that, There is no telling what God might do in Cabot, Arkansas by the ministry of Faith Baptist Church. See what He shows us. Go where He sends us. Speak what He tells us. Maybe tonight you've come to be aware of the fact that you don't have Jesus as your Savior. Jesus Christ left the glory of heaven. He died on the cross for our sins and was buried, rose again the third day. Oh, have you received him tonight as your Savior? Have you followed him in baptism? Maybe he's leading you to join our church family. It's maybe your time to make that decision. Maybe like Jeremiah, you know God's calling you to preach. I can identify what happened to Jeremiah when he said, I'm I'm just a youth, I'm too young. Uh, I I surrendered to preach, I've told you before, when I was 14 years old, but I vividly remember when God was calling me to preach when I was 12. I remember going out the front door of our old home church down in South Arkansas. Listen, nobody went out the front door. You had to bang the thing to get it to open because it stuck. And and I'm sure everybody in the church heard me when I went, but that was the closest door I had to get out. I was under conviction. It's bad. I was miserable for two years. And even after all that, still a few years later, I did my best to try to quit, but God wouldn't let me. It's miserable. There's nothing more miserable than fighting when God is calling you to do something, God's calling you to preach. Maybe it's your time. You say, well, I I don't believe God is calling me. It's all right. See what he shows you. Go where he sends you. And speak what he gives you.